What if you did work? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if you did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work. Are you a startup or a business owner looking to collaborate with industry-leading influencers on social media? Then sign up at accessmynetwork.com and start your brand awareness campaigns or lead gen campaigns on our platform. Again, it's accessmynetwork.com. What if it did work? All righty. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Another day, another week, another episode of my favorite podcast. Not to be too biased, but I always ask the question, what if it did work? And I got to say, I'm honored and privileged to have an outstanding CEO, the man, the myth, the legend. This guy is bringing cookies to the forefront and not only amazing cookies, but incredible cookies, way better than competition. I wasn't a cookie connoisseur until recent, until I tried his brand. Because, you know, Mrs. Fields, who cares? It's just chocolate chip cookies. His competitors, to me, a knockoff pretty much of Mrs. Fields. You, my friend, this is what I got to say. Bennett Maxwell, CEO of Dirty Dough, sales expert, the man before, before that was an expert at solar companies. And a future author, if I may say so. How's it going, brother? I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the amazing intro. Thank you. Hey, man. It, pleasure was all mine. When I, I saw you on Facebook, yes. The company that I'm with now currently, you know, Pi Syndicate, we're, we're aligned with Dirty Dough. But even right before that, when I, I saw you as a, as a guy that I can friend, I'm like, a CEO? of a franchise because you know being an i was an expert of franchises for, for for 20 years man you're you're pretty transparent man oh yeah i mean that the, the goal is definitely to be as transparent as possible and that comes from a sales background right be as transparent as possible and uh i don't know a, a lot of times in the sales we we are trained to only talk about the good and it's like no you could talk about the bad like me as a consumer if you're selling me some, I want to. I want you to tell me what the downfalls of your program are, right? And then that allows me to better weigh out the pros and cons. Yeah. If you pitch me the cons, or sorry, if you just pitch me the pros, I know you're bullshitting me. You know, so I'm like, I, so that transparency, contrary to what's taught in sales, I mean, in any of my sales presentation, I always bring up the downsides, right? And then that way I can control the narrative and also, you know, help them weigh out the pros and cons, but. Definitely never try to hide uh, from those downsides, from the cons, you know, the cons on a certain. Yeah. But the, thing, the thing is with, with salespeople, none of us were born into sales. What happens though, usually people learn a script. They yep. literally learn the A through the Z of why this product. To me, isn't it keep it simple? Know a couple of bullet points, build rapport, actually listen to the other guy instead they're like vomiting all this information and the other the other person can be on the verge of buying but it's like no hold up wait there's more just like that infomercial wait there's more it's like no just shut up and let the guy talk already you know my first summer doing uh door-to-door pest control so 2015 seven years ago i come and i you know i'm knocking on the door this is in like thousand oaks california and i sell the wife She's like, let me just get the final approval. My husband is going to be home in an hour or two. So I come back, I find the husband and I start pitching him and he just stops me and he goes, yeah, my wife already explained it. We're in. I said, cool. Then I go back into my pitch to let him know what he's getting. And he goes, listen, son, I'm going to share something that my grandpa shared with me. When you make the sale, get the F out of the office. (laughs) He's like, here's my card. Don't talk anymore. Leave. I was like, okay. But yeah, <laughs> amen, man, amen. You know what? And so many, we're all in sales. I hate when I hate when people say, oh, "I'm not a sales guy." 
I, I pitched you. Yeah. I gave you a compelling reason to be on my show. You pitched your wife a compelling reason. Hey, marry me. Let's build a future. Corporate America, you had a lie and say, hey, you know what? My my biggest flaw is I'm going to stay here till the, the job gets done. I'm a perfectionist. I, I I love to work hard, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't just show up. I stay till the job is done. It's a sales, man. And, and, and what happens though is I, I cringe because I've, I've, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people that love sales presentations. When I was married, dude, we'd, we'd go to timeshare presentations, which my ex-wife hated and my kids. It wasn't for the friggin' $300 or time is money, man. I just love, love the basics. Emotional selling. Hey, you know what? Your kid won't remember what they got on their 12th birthday, but they'll remember the overpriced timeshare vacation that you gave them and, and then how they they try to not only emotional self but since i'm hispanic and my wife my ex-wife was hispanic let's match them up with latinos then there's always like this the black sales guy to to pitch to the black sales the the black family then then, then there's a homosexual guy the flamboyant guy we, we use him you know when it's <laughs> it's an alternative lifestyle couple and it's like dude come on now man and, but but it's an it's a we all laugh but just based on the manipulation because to me a manipulation is it's only one-sided can anybody actually say man this this timeshare you're when, when you will this to your kids and they're paying like two thousand bucks a month in maintenance they're gonna think you know man they're gonna be hating you they're gonna yeah. be like mom dad you left me this shit but that's manipulation. But yeah, I, dude, I've seen it time and time. My my old gym, the, there was these two hot chicks getting ready to sign up, and the the, the guy kept on like selling them the competition. Uh-huh. It's like I felt like saying, "Shut the fuck up! You got the sale already." He's like, "Yeah, no, uh, but the other place has more AC and it has more yeah. more stuff on cardio and all, and." and the two women were like, okay, well, we'll be right back. Ghosts, never saw them. And it was like, clearly, like what you said, once you have the sale, pass the contract. Get out of the office. <laughs> get out of the office. They'll sign it. They'll sign, seal, delivered onto your next presentation. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you help others in the sales process or now you just primarily focus one, 100%? On your franchise, I mean, yeah, I, I let. So I, I took on a senior advisor um, last June. I sold my solar company. Took him actually it was in September, so exactly a year ago now. And he told me, and, and in the part of in the sell of the company, they gave me a salary, they gave me stocks, um, and then they were given going to give me continued stocks based on revenue. And he told me, he's like, if you want dirty, dirty dough to exceed, you got to leave all of that behind. So, you know, I tur- turned down, you know, multiple six figures between salaries and stocks for a company that at the time wasn't even profitable, <laughs> you know, but no. So, so right now I'm just focused on dirty dough. Um, and I'm really glad that he did get that advice uh, because I've been able to grow the company so much bigger, so much faster by just focusing on franchising rather than kind of keeping my old ties to solar. I got to ask you this though. I, I know success is going way past your comfort zone, but you literally an established guy or like, you were like, screw it. Let me start in a startup, not only a startup, but something that the competition, the competitor had a head start on you. And yeah, the, it, a lot of times, you know, that, that plays a big part, but, but you are confident enough that you're, did you have any second thoughts or were you like, this oh, is it, this is it for me? No, I for sure had second thoughts um, all the time, but it was, I mean, yeah, it was a big leap. All right. I'm going from a, a sales background to buying a food franchise business. Well, buying a food restaurant, you know, bakery, and then franchising. I'd never, never worked in food before. So yeah, that was a big leap. But I was confident in 
the problems that I saw and my ability to solve them. And I'm like, okay, the, you know, the, the, here's the competition. And basically I broke it down into the, the two major companies out there. You already mentioned one, you know, Mrs. Fields has been around for 45 years. They've had their ups and downs, but they're still here 45 years later. And then you have the crumble, right? And they're a lot newer, but their revenues are so much higher than Mrs. Fields. And why? I attribute it to, you know, this large gourmet cookie. And now they weren't the first ones to do it, but they're the first ones to franchise it successfully. So we're looking at that, like, how can we, you know, have this high revenue potential of a crumble with these large multi-flavored gourmet cookies served for us to your door, but keeping the robust model of Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Fields has been around for 45 years. Well, Mrs. Fields is a centralized production model. So they are operating out of half the square footage as compared to a crumble, right? Half the labor. I mean, you can go in and you can find one employee there sometimes, sometimes two, right? But very, very low cost, very low waste. And that's because everything's pre-manufactured and then shipped to the store for it to be baked fresh on site. So I looked at both of those models. I'm like, well, I want the high revenue potential of crumble. But what crumble does is they order all their own raw ingredients per store. And then you have to hire teenagers to mix the dough in very small batches. And then you have to hand weigh everything. And then I mean, it's just the labor is just ridiculous. So can I find a machine that allows me to compete in the gourmet multi-flavor cookie market while giving me, you know, the lower break-even point model of the Mrs. Fields? And that's what we, that's why I decided to do. So I saw two models that were proven and then I combined the two, combined the best of both worlds. So that's what gave me the confidence to, to really dive full into it and leave everything else behind. Because I'm like, I, I can see myself making this a national brand. And here we are, well, we franchised it in December. So we're into it nine months and we have 166 stores, I think, that we've sold. Five of them have opened so far and they're all doing great. So that's, I, I, I saw the vision, definitely doubted myself multiple times, but um, still went through with it anyway. You know, uh, going to the, to, what, what if it did work? Because if it did work, man, what a potential um impact that we can have not just in the cookie industry right but how many jobs can we provide how many people can we help how many teens can we help with mental health how many wellness centers can we build uh, how many more entrepreneurs can we create you know so that that was always the vision all along the one thing that i love about your business model you said it best 20 years i was in the qsr in this franchise quick service restaurant labor can kill you. If I was running anywhere between 20% and under, great model for any franchise. Yep. Clearly your competitor, the crumble, there's no way they're at 20% labor. I work out at a gym right next door open and there's four kids, five kids. I see at their prime, six kids working at their prime slot. There's no way, man. Their their labor is eating them alive. Their margins are so thin. And let me tell you, when you have to mix all those ingredients, I know one thing from 20 years of being in QSR, there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of, oh, shit, I messed up. Mm -hmm. X batch. <laughs> yeah, I know it happens all the time. So like comparing the two models, we order everything to a centralized production. So you get two large discounts when you do that. When you go from buying a 50 pound bag of flour to a truckload, you know, that, that's a 10 plus percent discount. Then when you go directly from, you know, buying through a Cisco, Dom Foods, US Food that distributes it to all your locations, you buy, they always have a 10 plus percent markup, right? Now you can go straight to the flour, sugar, butter manufacturer. So we're getting our cost of goods much less. Then we mix, uh, Crumble's mixing about 65 cookies at a time in a 40 quart mixer. We're mixing 1,400 cookies at a time with a professional baker. They're using a teenager, right? And then they portion it by hand on a little scale. Every single cookie weighs a different, you know, it's a different size, shape, height, weight. We throw it through a machine that, I, again, going through like what our product is, we have the world's only three-layer cookie. So you look at a cookie and it looks like a, like a chocolate dough. And then you bust it open and there's a chocolate chip dough in the middle. And in the very center, there's caramel leaking out of there, right? So, and all of that is done with machine that eliminates all of that labor for hand weighing, hand portioning, and getting all that inconsistency. Then we ship out those dough pucks to the stores for them to just be put in the oven. So it's very hard 
for people to mess up. There is no crap. I messed up the batch. Oh, what do I do with my leftover ingredients that didn't make it into this week's rotation? There's none of that, right? That's all done at that corporate level. So it's really trying to make it as simple as possible. You know, simplicity is key. Simplicity is always key, brother. I've been in franchises that Entrepreneur Magazine or the franchise says it's a turnkey supercuts. That's wrong, man. They had me buy the gonads. I'm not a, I can't cut hair. I'm not a cosmetologist. And then there's the other ones. Yeah, here, here, weigh this, scoop that. Man, nobody has time for that. It's so much harder to scale if you have to do all that because you need babysitters because I'm sorry and I don't even care if it's teenagers, college kids or high school kids. Adults need to be babysat, man. So if you're going to have to look at the cost of goods like under a microscope, because you have razor thin margins, man, there, there's no way in heck you're going to be like, oh, well, I, I want two of these bad boys, three, four, five, because only one location in any franchise. Congratulations, brother. You just bought yourself a job. Yeah. How do you like it? <laughs> That's exactly. I mean, I've, I've said the same thing time and time again, because I was looking at buying a crumble franchise once upon a time. And as soon as I found out it was owner operated only, that was the only model. I couldn't hire somebody to do it. I'm like, wait, so you want me to buy my own job? I'm like, I already have a job and I make more money than what this franchise will bring in. Why would I pay you money to now work, you know, freaking 50, 60 hours a week, um, 52 weeks of the year? Like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So as soon as I saw that, I stepped out and I'm like, no, I want something that I can open up multiple of these that don't require me to be there for the business to make money, right? Going from trading time for money to trading money for more money. Well, it's it's crazy because, yes, I was in the world of franchising for 20 years. And my ex-wife and I, who was my business partner at the time, we would look at other franchises. And it's crazy how many were so transparent or like, yeah, we want owner operators. It's like, so you want somebody to, to invest, buy <laughs> to buy a job. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. It's like for that, man. And, and then the owner operators you know, they, literally you bought yourself not only a job to make money, but then these franchises have you under their thumb that they're like, okay, let's see what's going on. We're going to send you our rep every week and we want the paperwork and we want you to explain the shrinkage and we want you to, exp- it's like for that man, just stay in corporate America. You know, why, why, why risk an SBA loan, why why risk your life savings to be an owner-operator? Right? There's a book out there called The E-Myth Revisited, and the E stands for entrepreneur. So it's the entrepreneur myth. He says most entrepreneurs aren't, in his mind, true business owners. What they do is they own their own job, and he says, and it's a shitty job at that, because when you are a good plumber and then opening a plumbing business, if you you're still the technician at that point, right? But now you work the longest hours and you get paid last. So it's like, not, not only do you have a job, you don't have a business, you have a job, you have a shitty job that you work the most hours and you get paid last. And I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen that. So, I mean, that was me with my solar company, you know? I'm like, I would have made more money as a sales rep, a lot of, you know, especially starting out. I'm like, I just invested a lot of money into this and now I have a job <laughs> and it's shitty because my sales reps are making more money than me. Um, you know, while I'm figuring all of this out and I'm like, man, this sucks. I should just stay a sales rep. Dude, I, it, it's funny though. Whenever you see like an owner operator franchise, a lot of times, which are just glorified manager, they're walking around like they're Hugh Hefner. Dude, I, I would always see like the Chick-fil-A guy, like walking around, like, like he's Hugh Hefner himself. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you're, you're a slave. The Kathy Truitt, you're a slave to Atlanta, man. You're a slave to Chick-fil-A. Don't walk around like, you know, you're driving a Lambo. Because, you know, yes, it. I, I think it's only 60, 80K of your own money. They uh-huh. they put in the rest. But it's it's literally you buy yourself a job. And, and it, it was funny because going into franchising, you, you learn real quick. Because I, I remember people telling me, you know, you better, you have to you have to scale. Because if not, you're just a glorified, you, you bought yourself a job. And, and it was so correct. My, that's why we had to scale quick because yep. it was like, shit, you know, we got into, uh, 
at the time, you know, I was into smoothies. I, I know, you know, sleeping through college and high school, I wasn't like thinking, oh man, you know what? One day I want to be the blend master. I want to be the guy that everybody goes to when it comes to smoothies. Hell no, man. And, and I tell that to, to anybody. And, you know, looking at your business model, that's why, you know, Pi Syndicate and, you know, they brought me on board being the franchise guy to look at the numbers. And it's like, man, it, it, it truly is like a, a no brainer in the sense it's, it's idiot proof because at, at the end of the day, you want the owner to have control. Yeah. You don't, you don't want, you don't want the inmates. I know it's a bad term to run the asylum. You don't want them. You don't want all the employers to go, Hey, we have you. Well, that's what happens. And I've seen it happen. Even, I mean, even, even with my partner, the first few weeks, I mean, he's doing a great job now, but the first few weeks he was so involved in the day to day of opening his franchises that it's like, dude, if you're serving customers cookies, what you can't be doing is fixing problems, right? If you're fulfilling orders, you can't be um, marketing the company, right? So you get stuck working in the business to try to save a few bucks. And then it costs, you know, you're tripping over pennies um, and and losing all of the dollars, wherever that saying is. But anyways, I I see that so often. It's like, no, no, that what you're doing is a $10 an hour job or a $15 job. Like, what are you worth? If you're actually working on your business, well, you're worth $50 an hour, $100 an hour, $500 an hour, whatever it is, but don't ever do a $15 an hour task as a business owner, right? And and people disagree like, oh, you know, that the owner should be sweeping. I mean, could you help out here and there to show an example? Sure. But fundamentally, I disagree with that. It's my time's worth $1,000 an hour and anything else, including attorneys that charge $600 an hour, I'm going to have them do before me, because if I'm on a franchise sales call, I'm worth thousands an hour, right? So I need to get on those types of calls and leave the rest to other people that I can pay less money to do. Bennett, that took me somewhere between five and seven years and my ex-wife of being owners Mm -hmm. because it was clearly, oh, if we work our stores, imagine how much thousands we can save. But and it's like, so both of us who had a master's degree, great in marketing, great in every other aspect to replace a $9 hour employee. Oh, wow, man. We're, we're, we're just saving money. We're, we're, we're saving millions upon millions. And, and yes, it was literally that long of a process when that light bulb came on and go, you know what? Yes. Labor goes up. Woo. But I, I would hope that every franchisee, every entrepreneur, every business person can scale out and pay someone else to do the remedial task while they focus on the more important stuff, which is bringing in more revenue. Yeah. I mean, I was having a conversation with this, this franchisee and like, dude, you need to stop working in your store. Like, not that you can't work on your business, but stop working in your store serving cookies. Oh, well, I had to because somebody didn't show up. I was like, what do you mean you had to? Like if you were to put a Facebook ad out that minute and said, I need somebody to come in today, I'll pay $50 an hour. Like what, what's worth more? You pay somebody $50 an hour for an eight hour shift. It costs you $400. And then you go do a franchise sell and you make $40,000 because that's the, I mean, that's what we charge for a franchise fee, right? So it's like, if you spent eight hours, you will sell a franchise. Why are you spending eight hours trying to save 400 and you're, and you're losing 40,000? I mean, those are the actual numbers in that scenario. And he's like, oh yeah, like I am worth, even if it's $50 an hour and I could get people in here at $50 an hour, I'll overpay somebody. So I don't have to do the work. And, and then it's like, again, stick with what you're good at. If you're good at sales, you're good at sales. If you're good at operations, you're good at operations. Uh, If you're good at marketing, and that's where you get the best bang for your buck, then focus on marketing rather than, oh crap, I don't have a bookkeeper, so I'm gonna be the bookkeeper. No, hire a bookkeeper out. And then you go make more money for your business to support that bookkeeper plus more. Why do you think though people have this narcissistic that they do everything the best? And then also, oh, work on your weaknesses. That's the biggest load of crap, man. I, I I sucked at paperwork. I sucked 
at bookkeeping. So what I should do is pour over YouTube videos, go to, go to my local community college, take a non-accredited course on how to be a great bookkeeper, spend all this countless time, resources, and energy to what? Just be mediocre, <laughs> you know, yeah. instead of just, you know, hire it out, man. It, it's crazy, right? No, hundred percent. And I, I mean, I took up, I took a startup course and he said, as a founder, you, it, it's a thousand dollars an hour. You need to always think, is this worth a thousand dollars an hour? If not, I shouldn't be doing it, you know, um, as you're scaling a business. And that, and that's a hundred percent true. It's, it's really looking at, could I figure it out? Sure. But how long is it going to take me? And what else could I have done? What's the opportunity cost? So too often we're just like, oh, well, I could save $400 by writing up this email instead of asking my attorney to write it up. Right. But it's like, well, no, I'm going to go make a lot more than $400 for my company in that same amount of time, as long as I know what I'm good at. And, and then I focus on those tasks. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer of focus on what you're good at and hire other people. I mean, the, there's just too much going on for you to think that you can do everything. You know, I think that's pretty ignorant. Like, oh, I could be the bookkeeper and I could do the sales and I'm also the marketer. I'm also going to build out all the operation. It's just like, that's hard. That's hard. You're going to do everything subpar um, rather than like, I know I'm good at sales and I, I know you're introducing me as the CEO. I'm not even, I, I'm not the CEO. I hired somebody to be the CEO because I'm not great at managing, but I am good at sales, <laughs> you know, so I stick with, I stick with sales. I'm good at social media. So I, I, you know, I run the social media. That's where all of our leads comes in. It's all for my organic social media, but I hired a CEO in December, the first month we franchised her name's Jill Summer Hayes. She founded a company called Maui Wowie Smoothies and Coffee in 1983, ran it till 2015. She sold it, you know, at its peak, it had just under 700 locations. Then she started a franchise development company to help other companies franchise. She was doing that till one of the companies offered her the CEO position. She took that, took her from you know a concept to 90 locations in a few years. And that's where we took her from. And that was in December. So I'm like, she's way better at this than me. And what I told myself when I hired her, because how do you afford somebody like that, right? Well, I could go, if, if nothing else, I could go knock doors, sell solar again and pay her salary. Because me knocking doors and paying her salary and her running the company is way more efficient than me running the company with no food or franchising experience. And man, that was the best decision ever, you know, um, cause it's allowed us, I mean, who wants to buy franchises from Bennett? Nobody, right. Who wants to buy franchises from Jill? Everybody. She's been there, done that. And then we've done that with our advisory board, with our VP of ops, um, with, our VP of production. It's like, get the top tier talent that have grown businesses from zero to 50 million in a few years, zero to 70 million in two years. That's our VP of um, production guy. People want, people trust those guys. They don't trust me. So I just want to put the team together and then sell the franchises. Right. And then make sure that the backend supports there. Here's my question to you. Why cookies? No reason <laughs> other than it was an opportunity. To this day, I've never uh, mixed a batch of cookies. Like other than homemade cookies, you know, when I, when I was growing up, like at Dirty Dough, I've never touched a recipe. I've never dumped flour into the thing. Um, so I had nothing to do with cookies. It was just, I saw cookies were profitable or that the potential, I should say, to be very profitable. Um, and then I just I just saw the, the gap in the market. So Dirty Dough, that, to jump into the history, it was an existing company that somebody else that I went to high school started and I bought it from um, the beginning of last year. Uh, and he was looking to sell. I looked at the numbers and I thought, I know nothing about food or franchising, but I could tell you if I just reduce your labor and reduce your waste, then I have a great model. So again, it, it was just kind of fell into my lap. If it was donuts, I would have done the same thing. If it was smoothies, I would have done the same thing. Nothing to do with cookies. It was just, Hey, this is a, a this is a, a model that I see is working and it can be drastically improved. And that's what, that's when I jumped in. So you're more of the, if I like the model, I believe in the model. I'm all in on the model. So yeah, I mean, people crumble touts the world's best cookie. I don't care about the world's best cookie. What the hell is the world's best? That doesn't exist, right? The world's best cookie does not exist because it's subject to taste buds and everybody has a different preference. So 
Why go after the world's best cookie? And then you look at all the top franchises out there. What's the top Mexican food franchise? Taco Bell. Do they have the best Mexican food? Of course not, right? They're, they're the best, best known, no. But but no, believe it or not, they were voted the past couple of years in a row the best Mexican <laughs> restaurant. <laughs> so, um, so, so people that vote would, would differ, would, would argue with you on that one. Maybe I need to go find those people. I've never met somebody that we, uh, that's going to argue that Taco Bell is the best Mexican food. Panda Express is the best Chinese food. McDonald's has the best hamburger, but it's about consistency and processes. So that's what I base that. You need a good product. Don't get me wrong, right? Um, and I think we have a better product in the competition. Uh, but that's not the key. Like, you know, there's this whole thing of recipes. You know, we could dive into that as well. They're like, Crumble's like, oh, Dirty Dough stole our recipes. I'm like, our cookies are so different. You can't even, you can't even accuse us. The funny thing is they're not saying we used them. They just said that we had access to them. And I'm like, whatever that means. Um, but like, I'll show anybody the recipes. The, the, the business is not built on a recipe, right? The recipe, there's copycat recipes of every top restaurant, of every top food, dish, whatever. Um, you can find the recipe. It's the model, the consistency, and the economics that make a business. Well, how can you trademark a chocolate chip cookie? I mean, we, we don't know who, who the originator of the yeah. chocolate chip cookie is. You know, it's not like Mrs. Fields is going out there going after anybody that sells a cookie. Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, Subway sells cookies. Let's go after them. <laughs> the funny thing about the, the crumble situation. So they, in their lawsuit, they they put... I think five or six pictures side by side of our product next to their product. So one was our ice cream next to their ice cream. Like heaven forbid our ice cream looks the same. Their cookie was sprinkles and our cookie was sprinkles. Their Twix cookie, our Twix cookie. Their fruity pebble cookie, our fruity pebble cookie. Their cinnamon swirl cookie, our cinnamon swirl cookie. Their Facebook picture cover page had cookies, ours did too. And they're saying, wow, look everybody, Dirty Dose copying us. The funny thing is, this is all social media, right? And social media comes with timestamps. Of all those examples I just mentioned, the six or seven examples, the Fruity Pebble cookie is the only cookie that Crumble actually released before us. And anybody with a cell phone and internet access can go verify that. Like they legitimately chose examples of them, of us releasing a product, then months later, them releasing a product and then saying, look, Dirty Dough's copying us. I don't like this is so, so silly. I mean, the whole lawsuit is just, it, it was filed by an idiot. <laughs> Like, I would love to meet that dude and be like, hey, dude, let's let's chat. I would love to see what's going through your brain because um, they, they, they didn't even do research before they filed a lawsuit. But I understand why they're suing everybody. I mean, and it's just, you know, who doesn't have money to fight back? That That's what it is, because it doesn't matter who's right or wrong. It's who can afford a better attorney and better discovery experts and all of that, whatever, you know, and, and, and see. So I see their strategy and I just disagree with it. I think it's very anti-competitive and un-American. Talk and, and pretty stupid. That That's yeah. like if Universal Studios sued Walt Disney World if they added roller coaster. And I'm like, well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Six Flags went after either or, because, you know, they're known for roller, yeah. roller coasters so how dare you try to copy you know their their business model Heck, it, it's it's hard to tell differentiate anything could you imagine if like universal studios or any of these studios went after another company for doing a rom-com it's like yeah. it's like hey you copied our formula a boy meets girl boy loses girl boy gets girl back we, we're going after you so so whimsical is is what they claimed in our lawsuit. We were we both used whimsical cookie designs. So I'm like looking up whimsical, which basically just means fun and playful. So going after that comedy example, yeah, it's it's it would be the same as saying, look, we produce funny videos and TV series, and you also produce funny. I mean, it literally says whimsical that we can't use whimsical in our lawsuit. And I'm like, come on, guys, where who's giving you advice? I literally, when I friended you and I saw all that, I'm like, are, are these guys for, I, I, at first at your, your post, I thought it was like satire that, you know, you're trying to drum yeah, off. Sprinkles ones. No, I mean, wait, wait, yeah, right. If you saw me posting, 
frivolous a frivolous lawsuit like that on anybody copying anybody dude burger king even made a commercial not too long ago that they were trying to steal the recipe uh on their breakfast recipes from mcdonald's because mcdonald's was owning their lunch for breakfast they even did a, a, a playful thing on it Dude, there's nothing that anybody can go after unless you literally that that's like Elon Musk going after anybody that has an, an EV out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, so, man. But again, they're they're not even saying we use any recipes because it's so apparent that we did it. They're just saying that we stole them. Now, how did we steal them? No idea. Love for them to, to make an argument against that. But it was a PR stunt. It was, hey guys. Um, we've had hundreds, you know, hundreds of thousands of people and tens of thousands of comments boycotting Crumble. Um, let, let's let's try to save face a little bit. Let's not say that they did anything illegal. Um, let's not say that they used anything, but let's just make that, you know, just throw out some claims out there. So they're actually out, their actual allegation is that Dirty Doe planned, like in the past tense, planned, ED, planned to leverage these materials to formulate their copycat business. So not that we did it, we just planned to do it. Mm. I'm like, you guys, you guys are silly. You guys are silly. But but you say the best, un-American. But here, you're, you're going to laugh at this because, you know, they, they go for the, the Christian model like Chick-fil-A yeah. closed on Sundays. Wouldn't that be anti-Christian in the grand scheme of things to go after the little man? on a frivolous lawsuit. I mean, <laughs> right. So they, I, I haven't even asked like, Hey, who else is getting sued? But I get all these ones, a grocery store. They're suing a grocery store. Cause guess what? They sell cookies. There's another company and guess what? They don't sell. They don't sell cookies. They're getting sued. There's another company that's been around. And this was, I post about this last week. They've been around since 2005. Crumble came at the end of 2017. And get and Crumble's still trying to sue them. Like these guys have been around over a decade longer than you guys. How are you going to sue them? So they're suing grocery stores, people that don't sell cookies, people that do sell cookies, people that have been around decades longer than them. And it's just like this is so silly. This is better watch out. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, it is like it's a very bad look for them, which it should be. They they shouldn't do this, and we would love. For this to be an example of what not to do when you're a large company. And hopefully, you know, the, the ultimate goal is we have some legislation change that you can't jot up. Hey, guys, this company copied me. We both have sprinkled cookies when that's that's completely verifiably false. Like you, you should have to do some level of due diligence before making claims in a lawsuit. The other claim that they made was Dirty Dough was founded by a former Crumble employee in June of 2019. Just anybody get on Google and type in when was Dirty Dough founded? You'll see it was founded in 2018, right? The state state website, news articles. I mean, it's like that's a 10-second Google search. You guys, the, the law should require some amount of due diligence before filing a lawsuit, or there should be repercussions. Um, and, and there isn't built in there. Like you could just claim whatever the hell you want and file it. And then people are like, oh, that's probably true because it's a court document. And it's like, no, that's not true. <laughs> Um, you could file whatever you want. I could say that aliens exist, right? Crumble's run by aliens, and I could just file that. So, anyways, that, that that's the ultimate goal is to change it, not just defending ourselves, but defending the other six companies that are getting sued and the other ones that we don't know about. And I have to say, out of alignment and talking the talk, because you know, actions speak louder than words. The first conversation we ever had, you literally there's a purpose behind this behind the reason why you must be successful is you want to literally serve to help others to help those that have mental issues correct exactly so i mean going back into like how that how i got into that it was just over 3 years ago i listened to a podcast and it was tracking the correlation between suicide mental illnesses and uh, social media. And at the time, I have a two-year-old daughter and a new newborn daughter. So again, three years ago, now they're five and three. Um, and he's saying, you know, that we have this mental health crisis for, it's not so much affecting millennials as much as it is Gen X and Gen Z, because they're the ones that now have social media in 
you know, elementary school, junior highs. And he, he says, some people argue that the rise is due to us being more comfortable talking about it. So it, there's higher, you know, high, more people report having anxiety because they're more comfortable talking about it. And then he goes, well, what about this? And he pulls up a graph and this graph shows the self-harm, like hospital admissions due to self-harm. So you, you're harming yourself so bad and attempt to, to, to commit suicide that you have to go to the hospital. Okay. That went up 189% in five years. Like that's crazy. You know what I mean? So hundred percent, that's twice as many people being admitted to the hospital than the previous year. This is 189%. So it's like, well, man, what do you do with that? Um, how do you, how do you combat that as a dad? Then a few other things, but just to kind of make the story short, like that's what dirty dose founded on the mission statement is to find joy and fulfillment despite life's dirtiness in ourselves and others. So how do we be happy? How do we be fulfilled? Well, fulfillment typically comes from contributing to something greater than ourselves. Despite life's dirtiness speaks to don't wait for life to be perfect, to be happy and fulfilled. Focus on yourself first, then help as many people as possible. So that's that that was like a lot of soul searching for myself personally. What, what is my mission here? And I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled. And then I want to help as many people as possible do it. So that's what Dirty Doe's based on is that is my personal mission statement just tweaked slightly for Dirty Doe. And I don't know. I mean, money is exciting to an extent, right? But who, who really cares? Like one of the activities that I did that really changed my mind about this was the obituary activity. Write your own obituary. Do, do you, I mean, for me, at least when I did it, the last thing that came to mind was Bennett died and he had a lot of money. Who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be known for that, but it's like Bennett helped other people. You know what I mean? No, no, completely, dude. I, I wrote a chapter in that, in my book, that, that we're, we're the authors of our own obituary. You're the creator of your own legacy. You know, if, if you're a dick and you suck now, well, you know, right this second, you can change just by saying, hey, I'm tired of it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to change. Actions speak louder than words. A lot of people just instead they're like focused on their past. I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm a horrible dad. I'm a okay. Well, are your kids alive? Yes. Okay. Well, you can change that now. Yeah. <laughs> and, but yeah, I, Matt, you're the master of your life. You're the creator of your destiny. And exactly, you're you're right, man. And that's why I said you're evolved. The franchise that I just left after 20 years, dude's like busy posting every day that, you know, $700 bottle of wine, $750 wine, these epic vacations that cost like, you know, 100K a pop, 200K a pop. And it's like, dude, that's not what life's about. On a smaller scale, years ago, I was chasing money. But like what you said best, when when you died, do you think people are going to be like, man, you know, Omar and Bennett, those guys threw epic parties and they drove a great car. <laughs> right? Whoa, you should have seen the bank account. Who cares, man? You know, Mother Teresa, and I tell people this, great in sales. If she wanted to, she could have been a billionaire. She could have sold anything she wanted. But instead, she chose a life of being in service. Of yep hustling and grinding the movement and that's how she became a saint people are like look at her actions nobody is like and you know it's like do you want to follow that path or do you want to follow oh man you should have seen some seen his epic pics on those trips that he took on social media man that guy was a baller the motivation is just is just different you know like you're gonna work longer hours and harder if it's something that you believe in so like the, the, our goal with Dirty Dough and achieving that, I mean, it, it's twofold. How do we get people more joy and more fulfillment? Um, well, one, it's it's in your mind, right? Like you see poor people that are happy and you see rich people that are miserable. So it's obviously not money. So let's work on our mental health. And that's where that came from. So what are we doing? We pay for a program for all of our employees and all the employees of the franchisees that they can go learn about their mental health and what therapy is and what it's used for and book online therapy sessions if needed, or yoga or guided meditation, or even if it's just financial stress, right? But they have the different guides that they can go and better their lives. Now, 
what, what the other thing that we're trying to do is, is start a lot younger. So we're building wellness centers in K through 12 schools. And we want to build one wellness center per franchise. The goal is to do a thousand franchise stores open and a thousand wellness stores open and funded in the next five years. I mean, really four and a half years by the end of 2026. And that's going to, these are old classrooms that are converted to a wellness center. So people can learn not how to be safe from the, from the world, but when life kicks you in the teeth, what do you do? How do you bounce back? How do you manage risks? How do you manage stress and anxiety? And teaching them those skills rather than just protecting them from everything, right? And like, you're going to get exposed to this. Here are the tools so you can get through it and, and be more resilient afterwards, right? And be stronger because of it. So that, that's what gets me excited. And then that's the first piece, mental health. The second piece is what brings me joy and fulfillment? Well, number one is my family. Number two, though, and I'm not, but I'm not going to tell everybody to go start a family. You know, that's, that's a personal decision. But number two of, of what's given me joy and fulfillment is entrepreneurship, like being your own boss, having time freedom, you know, having freedom to spend a little bit more money or, or go on a vacation. Yeah, I'm not, not promoting the $100,000 vacations, but like I went to Mexico last month with my wife for a whole month because that's where her family lives. And she wanted to visit her family, right? And I got to be able to do that. So entrepreneurship is huge for me. And that's the secondary um, task, I guess, that Dirty Dose is trying to accomplish in order to have people have more joy and fulfillment is how do we lower the barrier of entry to entrepreneurship? Well, it needs to cost less. So we're half the cost of the competition. It needs to be less time. So it needs to be a lot easier to operate. It has to, you, you don't have to be, you know, an expert baker anymore because you're not baking cookies. I mean, you're putting them in the oven, but you're not actually mixing and measuring things. And then here's the game plan. So it's all about lowering that barrier of entry to entrepreneurship. And that's why we also do mobile franchises. So a brick and mortar store is half the cost of the competition. Well, a mobile franchise, which is like a food truck, food trailer, is even half the cost of that. So that's what that's what we're trying to do is focus on mental health first and also provide people with more opportunities to have the potential to add joy and fulfillment to their lives. What I love about it is. Your typical franchise, the model is you're going to bleed out minimum of a year till break even. Mm-hmm. Your model cuts that cost or cuts the time way less. And also, yeah, some of these build outs on these franchises, it'll take anywhere from five to seven years after you sign for a 10 year lease franchise agreement to make back your money. It's like, What's the point, man? And, and and that when when it hits you in the face like that, I mean that that was one of the, the eye openers that that got my ex wife and I. They it was a mutual agreement because I I was stating facts. You know what's the point in being a business owner? Right. You want everybody to succeed. You you don't want somebody married to their company, a slave to their business. Because a lot of times people think, hey, I own this business. I'm a business owner. No, that business owns you, buddy. You're a slave, man. That's like that 40-something-year-old son or daughter that's never left the house that's just a friggin' noose around your neck. And and so many, so many entrepreneurs out there pretend that they're hashtag winning, and literally they're not. Yeah, I mean, they like the, the the owner operator model to kind of touch on that a little bit more like it makes some sense like if if i wanted my stores to do the best it would be owner operated right like omar if you're in the store your store is going to run 10% better than if you're not in the store like that's just what it is cuz you're going to care about it but even then it's kind of like well i would rather have five stores doing 90% rather than one store doing 100% because you can't scale at that point um, and, and that's what it's really about is like, we're fine realizing that the, the top line might be a little bit lower because we don't have owners in there, but that's not the model. That's does that, it, does our mission statement talk about the top line revenue? No, it talks about joint fulfillment and you can't, it's harder to have that if you're working in your store, serving cookies, 60 hours a week, right? It's just harder to have that. So it's like, well, we're not going to require that because it, 
not because we don't want it financially. Financially, it makes more sense to require owner operated, but that's not that's not the mission statement. That doesn't bring more joy and fulfillment, at least not in my opinion. No, it it doesn't. A lot of people live in scarcity, and that's why they're like, "Well, I can increase." You can increase what by decreasing by yeah. by being a babysitter to your company. It, it in the grand scheme of things, when I scaled out, when we scaled out. And we took a step back. Yeah, you're making a little less, but not really. Because if you're focused more on the big things, marketing, social media marketing, looking for more locations, looking for other side hustles, looking for other past passive investments that pays you dividends and stuff, it all makes complete sense. But I still hear to this day, well, if you're not in your business, someone else is it's like should we play the ominous music the should we play the, <laughs> the music from halloween <laughs> friday the 13th who cares man it, it, like what you said best you took your family on a vacation away from the hustle and bustle you had the proper people running things Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. You want to be a leader. A leader, you hire a team. You empower the team. You don't tell them all the things that they can't do. You give them some autonomy. And it's going to be like, whoa, they're actually running my store. Whenever you go to a franchise or whenever you go to any business and you ask someone to solve the problem and they don't, they say, that's not my job description or that's not my department. Yeah. Boom. Right There's there. <laughs> right. You know, that's a boss. That's not a leader running that organization. Yep. No, a hundred percent. I couldn't call because it wasn't in my book. That wasn't my job description. So yeah. I, I, I couldn't call the fire department. <laughs> and, and that's another thing like that is that happens more and more when people are after a check rather than a purpose, right? If you're after a purpose, it's like, let's just get the job done to fulfill the purpose. If you're after a check, it is about, am I getting paid for this or am I not? It's like, well, no, are you, are you helping other people be more fulfilled and happy? Like, and, and then act accordingly, right? Don't, don't worry about if you're getting paid for it or not. I mean, that's a, that's how I've been trying to analyze my life, right? Because that's my mission statement. So that's what I need to do. And I always need to ask that question. It's not, oh, well, this person should be doing it or that person should be doing it. It's just like, does it align with my mission statement or does it not? Well, when you don't have a mission statement and you don't have people aligned towards that goal, what you're going to do is you're going to have just headhunters that are with you temporarily till they can find another position that just pays a little more or that might align to their mission statement. And you'll have, you'll have to keep on training and retraining and retraining. And you're going to have to keep on, your printer is going to run out of ink because you're going to have to keep on printing the new roster of, of your employees and your team. And, and, and yeah, and people have to ask themselves, is that the environment that you want? Or do you want an environment where, not only do you have raving fans, but you have your team that shows ownership and says, let's do it. Let, let's go, let's go after the crumble. Let's go after the Mrs. Fields. Let's let's go after the midnight cookies. Let's go after, yeah. Well, yeah. it's a QSR, quick service restaurant. Everybody's your your competitor. You know, well, I, I don't feel like getting dirty dough. I, I feel like getting ice cream. That's why. When it comes to QSR, quick service restaurant, if it feeds the belly and puts a smile on your face, that's your yeah. competitor. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, I love the vision. You want to open up a thousand locations, a thousand wellness. But my question to you is, I know how to find you by multiple streams, what phone, etc. How do the listeners find you? How do they become part of the Dirty Dough franchise? Uh, DirtyDoughCookies.com is our uh, website and you can go to franchise in there. And then I post, I try to post daily. Um, 
and provide valuable content, not just about pitching dirty dough or anything like that, but just what, what I'm doing in business, what I'm doing in sales, what's working, what's not. Um, so Bennett Maxwell, B-E-N-N-E-T-T, Maxwell, M-A-X-W-E-L-L.com. You can go there and then I have, you know, bunch of other podcasts that I've recorded, but you could follow me on the different socials if you want to see if you can get value out of what I'm putting out there. And follow, follow him on Facebook. He, he does have good content. It's it's not just like some other CEOs and some other business owners, entrepreneurs, other CFOs posting, hey, this is what I drive. This is what, what I can buy. You actually do have content. And when social media to do great social media content. It's about the viewer. It's about giving them a compelling reason. People have it mixed up and it's the opposite. Me, 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 me. Or buy from me, buy from me. You're never saying, hey, dirty dough, dirty dough, dirty dough, dirty dough. Yeah. Because, uh, um, and and that's, that's what people fail to realize. If you look at, and it's not just franchises. It can be Joe Bob's plumber. Oh, I'll use my service. Use my service. Okay, well, give us a reason why we need <laughs> yeah. to know you, brother. Give us a compelling reason why you know we need to use Joe Bob Plumbing and not like the fifty other people. No, exactly. I mean, like speaking of a car, I, I, I have driven a Tesla for over four years now, but you won't find it on my social media because I've never posted about it. I'm posting about the nonprofit and about how we're trying to make a difference, or about credit and how to utilize that or asking for help when I run into issues, you know, um, how do I get financing for this or funding for that? Or this is how I built my advisory board. I try to add value because again, what, what aligns with the mission statement? Is it sell more franchises or is it help more people be happy and fulfilled? And then sharing those things that I'm learning with other people, um, that help me be happy and fulfilled. So that's definitely my strategy on social media. And hopefully, hopefully I'm, I'm doing it. If not, I'll get better. <laughs> no, you're, you're no, doing I think it's going dude. good. Everybody gets better and better. You're doing an outstanding job. I can speak to you for hours and hours. The viewers or the listeners, you know, they only like the one hour. Pretty pretty soon, podcasts are going to be one minute or three minute, like a TikTok <laughs> video. Maybe maybe we'll start dancing before that. But any any words of wisdom to? No, well, I mean, we, we, we hit on the mission statement. If you don't have a defined mission statement that every decision you ever make in your life, you can go back to that mission statement and say, does this push me closer or, um, to this mission statement or further away? If you don't have that, go do some soul searching and find it that, I mean, that, that would be my, my piece of advice. Hey, amen, brother. Amen. It's, it's not about chasing money. We've all been there. We've all done that you start evolving and you start growing as a person when, like you said it best, dude, poor people can be happy and the the wealthiest can be miserable. The happiest country in this world is Fiji. They're also the poorest. That that says a lot. And you look at the suicide rates, the, the largest, the highest demographic for suicide is rich white males. That's who's killing themselves the most. And it's like, okay, well, that shows you right there. You know, with your example and that example, it's like, it's not about the money. Right, it's about something else. So let's find out what that, uh, what that something else is. And if you're also the CFO of Bed Bath and Beyond, don't pump and dump. <laughs> you, might, you you might be part of the numbers. <laughs> All right, brother. I know that's a, that's a poor joke, but you know. <laughs> well, Omar, I really I really appreciate you having me on. It was a it was a blast hanging out with you, uh, dude. Where the the best is yet to come. Uh, I'm I'm gonna help sell you know, your company, because I do believe in, in dirty dough and my kids, man, any, you can actually order them online and, and they'll ship. Yep. So that, that, that's, that's something the competitor doesn't do. And you'll see they're beautiful cookies. I, I know they're not supposed to be beautiful, <laughs> but man, they're, they're like, when you, they're, they're amazing. You have to try it. They're gooey. They're big. They're messy. It's just like life, man. Nobody's perfect. None of these cookies look the same, but none of us do. Brother, thank you for the opportunity. We'll be in touch. And let's get to the thousand stores. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Take care. Are you a startup or a business owner? 
Looking to collaborate with industry-leading influencers on social media? Then sign up at accessmynetwork.com and start your brand awareness campaigns or lead gen campaigns on our platform. Again, it's accessmynetwork.com. I never told no one that My whole life I've been holding back Every time I load my gun up So I can shoot for the stars I hear a voice like Who do you think you are? Negative thoughts come to mind When I start thinking bold Like why you chasing dreams? Aren't you getting kind of old? I knew I needed help I had no self-confidence Didn't believe in myself I tried not to feel or listen to my intuition To start a business But before I even started I feel like it's finished You got a vision And let me say I don't care if they're your blood Got the same DNA They can't feel how you feel They can't see what you see Wanna change your life You gotta change the way you think The thoughts in your mind Is the boss of your life Nothing but good vibes Every day I'm thinking like What is it be? What if you took action and made it happen and started living inside of your purpose? What if it did work? Right now you can make the choice to never listen to that negative voice no more. The hardest prison to escape is our own mind. I was trapped inside that prison all for a long time. To make it happen, you gotta take action. Just imagine what if it did work. 